My name is Mike, and uh, I am the COO of Stranger's Guide, which is a magazine that tries to tell stories about place, or does successfully tell stories about place. And I'm Lucio. I'm a local hip-hop artist and part of an internet collective called Exociety, who has been touring nationwide last year and this year. Um, and we were just talking a little bit about the experiences, the differences in the experiences that we've had, which are both sort of defined by time and... Um, Oh, really largely by time. Um, but I think, you know, we're here to talk about place and, and how we experience place. And Lucio, I think you were just talking about, you know, how there was a uniformity to the people that you saw in each place. That, they, you know, despite the fact that Brooklyn was supposed to be a certain way, the people that you met, largely because of the audience, audience that you cultivated um, and the way that you cultivate your audience, were, were not all that different from the people in, say, Minneapolis. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, you have those cultural similarities because discord and you know to a certain extent like tumblr even instagram twitter certain parts of communities even in, there's an obscure video game site called newgrounds that had like random hip-hop stuff on there as well yeah. all of those cultures kind of exist in like that transcend place and so they have similar cultural touchstones that we all experience together and so when we went out and met people they all had those same experiences that we did, and it felt very familiar. And and this is all, you know, again, back to this notion of being cultish or like mm -hmm. the like. We we each sort of served a different niche, right? You with independent hip hop, and me with uh, independent, you know, um, uh, you know, post punk and and you know, sort of that kind of stuff. Communities that were carved out, I think, in some ways, well before our time. In my case, you know, go, going back to I don't know if y'all have read that band, uh, that book, Our Band Could Be Your Life, which is a wonderful chronicle of the establishment of the independent touring routes for rock bands in the United States. Um, and it, it sort of lays out how that happened. And, and we were sort of, we were walking in that path. So these communities had all sort of been built for us. Um, and to your point, like, I think that like, there was an expectation and a certain similarity in all of the audiences that we played for but also because they had self-selected into this experience, right? The music that we were playing isn't necessarily, at least that, that Black Eyes was playing, wasn't necessarily, um, uh, uh, not everybody likes it, right? The definition of cult. And I think that like, like when you find your people, you really find your people and, and that you know, limits one's experience of place, I think in some ways, is, is that fair? Yeah, and I think that one interesting difference that you brought up earlier a little bit is that I feel like for you, it felt like that connection was mostly the music, yeah. right? Whereas yeah. like for us, the connection is beyond the music. Like people are into like the same video games and books and media that all plays a part into their expectations when they come to the show and their experience that they have when they come to the show, which mm -hmm. also makes us feel more similar to them because it feels like, oh, like this is... They know everything that I know, pretty much. It's kind of weird, <laughs> but it's, it's it's fun. But you, but you've also said that you sort of cultivated that, right? I mean, like like in the the, the, na the nature of building your audience led to that result. Yeah, right? and it's kind of an accidental thing. For a long time, I thought like, oh wow, I can't believe we found these people. And then when we would go on tour, it would be like, oh, like I did not know about this thing until y'all showed me, and now it's my favorite thing. And I realized, like, oh, we accidentally created this as well by just being online and existing as more than just musicians online, I guess. Yeah. I, I wonder also, like, I, 
I, I'd like to sort of prompt you to talk a little bit more about Discord as place, right? Like, and Discord, the C-O-R-D, not C-H-O-R-D, right? Your experience, not my experience. Um, as like, as this place, you know, we talked a lot about, um, when we were talking about the panel, like we talked about um, how my experience is, you know, going to, it was very much like we needed to go to cities to, to, um, to sort of build our audience, I think in ways that, you know, your predecessors needed to. Um, but you have a centralized place where they come and find you that isn't necessarily geographically limited, right? Yeah, and I think, um, I don't know how familiar y'all are with Discord, but just in general, we used it as like a, a hub to gather people mm-hmm. for, uh, for announcements, for interactions, for fan art, for um, literally... People would just hang out in there, and they had their friends in there. People that, like, you know, just from different parts of the country would just hang out. And, like, we weren't even in there a lot of the time. It was just Mm -hmm. them hanging out with other friends, talking about our music, talking about whatever they wanted. So I think that coupled with, like, demographic data that you have now from streaming allows you to kind of both know where to go in some respects Mm -hmm. and know how to reach people in a lot better ways. And I I would, I know I haven't brought this up before, but I would like to bring up the importance of Bandcamp Mm -hmm. in that as well, because we've operated on Bandcamp the entire time. And um, that's another, like every time somebody would purchase or download things on Bandcamp and we would always have our downloads as free, uh, they'd give us their email. So, we don't actually have to create an email list. We have like thousands of people that we can contact through Discord and Bandcamp anytime that we have any sort of release or need to reach our audience. I mean, it definitely sounds way more straightforward and simple than it was 20 years ago. Um, to pivot a little bit about and to talk more about place, um, I, let's, I guess let's start with like most memorable place-based experience. You want to go first? You want me to go first? or? All right. I will share mine. Uh, we played at a squat in Turin, Italy. Um, they had the most phenomenal sound system. We did like a three-hour sound check, which was not typical for us. And like, like they really, you know, they really went all out. And the bathroom was like a hole in the floor. So what I remember, and there was like no heat. Like it was, I rem- like that is for me. That is a very punk rock experience. I, it was, it's very dear to me. But also, you know, after a while, it just gets a little old. But anyway, in terms of place, like that, and so now I associate Turin with the squat, which I imagine is not what most people who travel associate Turin with. Yeah, uh, I think for me, it's, uh, we got to play in Minneapolis. We played the 7th Street entrance of the first Ave venue, which is, if you don't know, it's like uh, where uh, Prince recorded Purple Rain, and it's where a lot of the underground hip-hop in in Minneapolis has, has happened. Um, and... In terms of our model, it's kind of like a, a, a modern version of the Rhymesayers model. If y'all are familiar with Rhymesayers at all, they were a group uh, in like the late 90s, early 2000s that like kind of created them and a few other groups the, 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 the route for hip-hop artists to kind of just uh, to tour the country and build their audience that way. They were some of the early underground do-everything-themselves cult um yeah label and atmosphere yeah. was one of their bigger groups yeah um and it was just a amazing experience to feel like it really felt like that culture was present and 
we got to meet Ant, who was like the producer for Atmosphere, because he came out to the show and he kind of talked to us about how what we were doing felt very similar to what they were doing and the audiences felt very similar. And it was just such a like awesome feeling of like, I don't think you get a lot of feelings of you're doing the right thing when you're like DIYing everything. So like having somebody tell you you're doing the right thing yeah. is nice. Yeah, no, totally. and, and but I think what was what was super interesting when we were talking about this a little earlier, like you you noted that he picked up immediately on on the Discord thing that like that what you'd done with your Discord audience was so similar to what they'd done, but more like when we were touring, like with you know with with they traveled to each city doing that like bit by bit, and you guys were you know like, is, have I got that right? Is that yeah yeah, yeah. for sure? And yeah. I think you know, but I think also you brought up a really good point about. And I, I don't know if this was necessarily in conjunction with Minneapolis, but I definitely feel this, that, like, you know, one of the things that really defines place for y'all is you're traveling is, is the service industry workers that you're interacting with. Is that is that fair? Yeah. I, you know, I feel like you don't have a lot of time to do a lot, uh, especially because yeah. we were on a bus tour, so we're not even staying in people's places or doing anything. So the interactions that we had, it's it's interesting how the service industry kind of becomes your ambassador to the place that you're at, especially because, and I think one of the the, the goals of this conversation is talking yeah. about the the kind of the difference between like being in a city as a tourist and being yeah. in a city in, as like a, a musician. Um, and one thing is that everybody seems to open up when they find out that you're on tour, especially yeah. if you're with a whole bunch of people that seem to be on tour as well. <laughs> Uh, so you get a lot of those interactions with those people. And I think it's a weird responsibility that they have. Like the people, like, the people that you're, the people in the audience, your fans are. Yeah. Or yeah. like even the service industry people, oh, just like of like a, my impression of a city is based on like the sound guys, the, the, the venue head, the people at restaurants, the, the, the Lyft drivers and stuff like that. It's just like a completely different perspective. The the advice that you get from the people that you interact with who are just doing their jobs, yeah, right. Do you, do you have a piece of? I, I didn't warn you. I was going to ask this. Do you have a piece of advice that you got from somebody that's super memorable in any of these places? Um, you know, it was mostly just like um, it was it was mostly like commiseration or like letting <laughs> us or or like letting us know. Like I, I think one thing that we talked about earlier is uh, you know, like being surprised about you know, going to places like that would normally I would be worried about going to because the the conversation around it nationally is like not the type of thing that I'm yeah. um, I'm a part of. But them kind of like letting you know like, oh, no, there's like pockets of things here that you can connect with. Like what? Like, 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 um, I don't know, like, for example, in St. Louis, not yeah. I keep on saying St. Louis, <laughs> Salt Lake City, Yeah, we played this venue that was, like, this, like, beautiful, tiny punk venue yeah. that was, like, everybody was all together and just, like, walking around the city and randomly meeting people that share, like, of course, it's, like, a common sense thing, but it, it's really interesting to see it, that share your same values yeah. in a place that... I would not expect to share my same values. I, I definitely feel that. And in some ways, though, I felt like that was, for me, that was a little disorienting because you expect, particularly, you know, Salt Lake City is a great example, right? Like, we played, you know, maybe it's the same place, I don't know, 20 years ago. But, like, it was definitely, like, it was definitely a punk rock place, like, very DIY. Like, you know, people had built this community 
and like the show was in a very it was in a it was so comfortable and so amazing but it was also insulated right like the and and i think like it's it's like it is this amazing experience of of feeling this super narrow connect uh, sorry super deep connection with a group of people wherever you go and like and again finding your people but it also sort of it and then, well, I, I mean, I don't know. It, it sort of, it sort of like belies the rest of the town, you know. I don't know. It, I don't. I don't mean to make it a, a qualitative statement. I think it's 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 neither bad, bad nor good. It's just it, it's what it is. But it it was it was for me it was a little disorienting because the certain the expectations are, are such right. Like you know, Salt Lake City. You know, I, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't grow up there. I don't know what it is. But like back to your point, like everybody everybody has an experience in their hometown that they probably want to share something that's super valuable and it's something that you maybe get exposed to a little bit more when you're travel when you're touring in a, in a, in a band than maybe when, or, or as a, as an artist than you would otherwise. You think that's fair? Or like, sorry, yeah. I'm working this out live. <laughs> <laughs> no. And I think, um, it's, it's a pretty simple realization, I guess, but like, uh, actually experiencing that like places aren't monoliths that like, yeah. that, that, people exist beyond your first impression of where they are or what their culture is yeah is pretty is experience it is like much different than kind of knowing it as a principle yeah um especially because i think that if you are like in a tourist type of situation you have to make an effort to go out of your way to like be away from the tourist activities to experience like the real culture of a place or yeah. the subcultures of a place. Whereas when you're yeah. on tour, you get access to those subcultures just by being part of a subculture. Yeah, you don't even have to think about it. Like, like it's it's so that's that's a great point. Like, I remember we were in Louisville once, um, just playing, you know, playing a show, whatever. Nothing remarkable about it, really. Um, this actually this wasn't with Black Eyes, but uh, there was a guy who was at the show we were friends with, and he had a record store, and it was closed. But he, you know, he opened up his record store, so we go shopping, which was amazing. I mean, like you know, one of the defining experiences for me across the you know wherever I've traveled has been buying records, like wherever, like seeing a, seeing a place through the records that you buy. And in this case, this I would not have had that experience had I not been playing a show and this dude not know that we were in this band and like whatever. Like that's just it's a very different sort of experience, I guess. Um, and I think it's also different. We were talking a little bit about this. It's different than being like you know, um, in some huge touring act, right? Like yeah. there is like this this cultish thing, the insularity that goes with it, like provides one with like, you know, I don't know. It's it's almost like, I don't know. It's like almost like everything is like everything's a little bit easier. I don't know. Is that is that fair? Like, what do you think? Easier in terms of uh, like. You're, like you were saying, like your access to stuff is easier. Yeah. Like the interactions that you have are easier. Like there's nothing like, you know, I at least felt like I didn't have to, there was no pretension to, um, there was no pretension to, to um, you know, people knew you. Even if they didn't know you, like they knew you because of what you represented. Yeah, and I think that connection to that audience helps for the honesty to exist in a way that, like, let's say I live in Austin. If you come to Austin, there's an incredible amount of touristy things that you can do in Austin. Then you can also do the touristy things that tell you that they're not touristy things, but are touristy things that you can do in Austin. So to get past like the levels of tourism that each city has is like a pretty, like you have to do a lot of research or know somebody that lives in the city. But when you're on tour, you, you don't get as 
broad of a grad like for example i knew sections of cities i yeah. didn't know the whole city but in yeah. those sections i feel like I got access to certain things that people normally don't get. We should totally talk about this because this is the thing you did that I did not do, and I super regret this. Like you, you got out of the bus and you walked around each town that you went to, two, three hours. You said in Toronto you walked for like five hours, just walking yeah. around. Can you talk about that and why that was important? I think part of it is like uh, getting away from people. <laughs> you know, you see so many people and you're around the same people all the time. That I ended up having to have a routine of being my by myself a decent amount of time to even just be able to recharge to be able to do the same show every night. Because yeah. on top of all this travel, like the most important thing is doing a good show. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're we're talking about the cultural aspects, but that's like a big part of it. Um, yeah. But um, I don't know. It was one thing that was amazing to me was seeing the different architecture. And how cities are structured completely differently as you go throughout the country and in Toronto. Also, that was one of my favorite cities. That was a beautiful city. Yeah. Uh, it was also a nice day. And how the weather even affects how yeah, you perceive yeah. a city. Because yeah. if I couldn't walk around, it affected the way that I saw it. Yeah. Um, but like another city like Philadelphia, like I'm probably going to move to Philadelphia someday and mm -hmm. it, part of it was because of the first impression that I got from being there on tour and and that's that's a super that's another really interesting point right like you don't necessarily and I, I know that this is there's probably plenty of exceptions to this but I feel like when I'm traveling I'm not necessarily traveling to experience a place because I'm thinking about moving there right it, it, and when yeah. that happens like it sort of happens to you right in fact that's what happened to me in Austin but but I think that like um I think that that sort of I mean you as as a person who gets out of takes yourself out of that context of touring to specifically go explore a city like you get all of these cities laid out next to each other over an extremely short amount of time right you it, that experience must be kind of mind-boggling right yeah and also on top of that it's not like your my regular experience of going to a city and visiting it is researching the city seeing what spots I want to go in this city, yeah. seeing what types of things that the city has, what types of, like, specific... With this, it was more just, like, just go walk. You're going to wander. And see what happens. Yeah. Um, and that's just not an experience I would have for myself personally if because yeah. I would feel like I was wasting my time and money in some ways. That's interesting. I guess that's interesting, too. Why, why, why is that? Uh, because like if you're specifically going, let's say like I'm flying out to Minneapolis, yeah. The, my specific reason is to go know Minneapolis, and I'm paying yeah. for you know the flight, paying for where I'm staying, I'm putting all this money and time, I'm taking off time from work, yeah. Um, and so when I get there, I want to make sure that I don't miss the things that make Minneapolis interesting and unique. But with touring, it's like I have three hours. I'm on a bus. <laughs> yep. Like I need to get back to sound check. The only thing I really need to accomplish here is to get some food. Yeah, yeah. The rest of it is just it. I don't have the mental capacity to put effort into finding the best thing to do in this city. It's, There's no FOMO. Yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. And like, and it's interesting because, and, and for me at least, the experience was you're traveling more through time and space, right? Like you're traveling in this box with people. For me, it was all van tours, right? Like in this box with people that you know really well, that you've spent an inordinate amount of time with. 
And so the the sort of moving, your home is moving with you, yeah. right? In lots and lots of different ways. And in fact, in, in one on one tour that Black Eyes did, we did with our neighbors. <laughs> like we did, like we lived next door to this other band that was taking us on a tour, and and like and and th and then we they also brought other people that were from the city. So the whole thing was this insular little bubble that was moving from town to town to town to town to town. And so like when when we we would get out at some place, and even at like some of the drives would be crazy. Like I think I referenced this Denver to Missoula drive, which you had to do back in the day because there wasn't a place to play between Denver and Missoula. So you'd drive from Denver to Missoula, you'd leave the show in Denver the night you, after after you played, you play an early show in Denver, then roll 17 hours to Missoula. And like, and like, you'd get to Missoula, and your brain would just be mush, right? Like, yeah. and like, but the, but but even outside of that experience, like this this the the experience of traveling like this was so disorienting for me wherever I went because it was like you know you have all of the context, all of you know, and, and there wasn't all you know. I'll call it drama for shorthand, but like all of the stuff that goes on in a van that is happens in a van when you're traveling, all that stuff's happening, but you're moving it from town to town to town to town. And like you get out in this new place and it kind of is a new place, but it kind of yeah. isn't. And it's just, it's just really weird. I, I don't know if you experienced that. I, I feel like I experienced that. I felt like I was teleporting. Yeah. Because yeah. you go like, cause with us, it was like, you finish the show, you do it and then you fall asleep and you would wake up. And yeah. go outside, and you had been in like one climate yeah. in a flat area, yeah. and then you go outside, and there's a mountain, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, what is going on? Uh, yeah. And so, like in that sense, yeah, you definitely, I definitely felt like it's like almost that was a great feeling for me in that yeah. for that part of it. But yeah, it definitely gets exhausting to like your home is always moving, yeah. and if you don't have the right relationships or the right people in that home, then you don't have a home any longer. Could you talk a little bit about, because I, I know you went through a little bit of stuff with that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we had some, I think in any tour, things go wrong, right? Yeah, yeah. Like every single, we had uh, flat tire, almost didn't make it to a show, yeah. which would have caused us to have to refund everything, this and that, like, yeah. um, mics having issues at times uh and you know we had some people especially on this tour that took everything personally <laughs> and made everything about themselves <laughs> and you know i would like to say that uh, the tour was amazingly successful and it was a dream come true but just having these people that don't respect other people or respect that aspect of problem solving or getting through things together made it to where that's part of the reason why I was walking around three to five hours a day <laughs> to escape. This is the only way to escape because I no longer had a home. I didn't have anything yeah. I could do to find peace of mind because when you're on the bus, you're constantly around that and reminded of yeah. it. And even the bus was partitioned. So yeah. you had the front of the bus and then you had the beds in the middle and then you had the back of the bus and they were in the back of the bus and we were in the front of the bus. And so I couldn't even like use half of the bus the entire tour because of the way that some of these interactions went. And, and I think it's, it's, and that's another real key sort of thing, right? Like having that, like when you're traveling, you're you're going home, right? At some point, like when you're traveling as like a tourist, like you're going home. Like there is there's a finite sort of thing, and even even when there is a finite sort of thing on 
tour, it doesn't feel like that because the time that you're out there is so epic. So it's so so you, for me, what added to this disorientation is this sort of like dynamic that we're talking about, like this fact that you have what is, you know, for all intents and purposes, your home moving with you as you're going to these spaces. Um, like it just, it just, it, it, and then sort of, I, I guess I kind of already said this, but like the, the, the inner, the, the way that that mixes with the fact that you're in a different place, it's just like, it's really for me and uh, my lack of eloquence here belies the fact that I find it incredibly difficult to describe. It's really weird. Yeah. It's really, really weird. Um, uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, one of the things that I did not have to deal well deal with isn't quite the right word, but one of the things that I didn't have to think about when I was traveling was weed and legal weed and where it's legal and where it's not. And you know, again, as 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 you're as you're traveling on tour, things like that I think kind of carry outsized weight because it's like people are looking at you differently because they assume things about you because you're a touring musician. Um, not that you know, not that that doesn't. Ex- that experience doesn't happen to everybody all the time. Well, lots of people all the time, but um, but for 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 folks on tour, I think it it becomes a thing, right? And for y'all, it was a thing, right? Like you had to figure out what the laws were every morning. Yeah, yeah, especially because you know you'd be in California, and I don't really smoke much. I don't, but everybody else very much did. So you would be in California for a week, and everything is legal. Everything's above board. You would buy things. Um, and then you'd wake up in Utah, and it's like I don't think it's legal here. So, but also it's more like how strict things are. Yeah, it's like because for example, I I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and that was just like you can't. I had a friend that had like a pipe in his car in high school that got found by a cop and went to jail, uh, but like. I moved to Austin where it's also illegal, but people, when I went to shows would be smoking blunts out on the patio yeah. in front of cops yeah. and like <laughs> people wouldn't care. Um, so figuring that out and also figuring out all the different, like ridiculous, it's almost like, I don't know if you know the history of alcohol prohibition, but yeah. like all the ridiculous laws that places had, like I think in Oklahoma, there was a point where you could only drink in bars if you brought your own cup, which like, <laughs> Makes no sense. And now it seems like with the weed prohibition, even as it's being legalized, yeah. the the different cultural perspectives in each state kind of inform what they think is like a reasonable weed law. Like, and, and none, of the th- none of it makes sense. Like in Boston, for example, you have to come in the front of the store, <laughs> check with a guard, <laughs> And then you walk into the store and there's only like, it only goes up to like a certain milliliter or a certain concentration in anything. You can't go above and it's like pretty weak compared to other states. And then when you buy your stuff, you have to go out like a back alley because you can't go out the same interest that you came into. And it's just completely arbitrary. In Chicago, you walk into the front and you look at a screen and you have to pick everything on that screen that like you're going to buy. Like on a little buy. iPad or something? No, yeah, like a little like a ATM terminal type wow. thing. You pick everything there, and then you walk into like a fully functional weed store that has everything on display. And But you can't like but, interact with it? No, they just give it to you, and you <laughs> and you walk out the door. And my friend accidentally bought like 
tiny little joints because he thought they were normal size <laughs> joints and was super disappointed <laughs> by it. But yeah, like every single place has just like these weird ideas of what's normal. And and I think sort of where where we were going with this is the notion of when you're traveling on tour, you interact with authority in a very weird, like in a different way, uh-huh. right? Like, like for me, my story is that. Um, we were we were driving. I don't know if you all have. Uh, there's a border between Switzerland and and Italy, and you go through. You sort of drive through Mont Blanc to get there, right? And so you're in this little cave tunnel thing, and there's a border crossing. And so like we, I think we were going from Switzerland to Italy. The Swiss border guards like did a pretty thorough search. Like you know, pulled us out of the van, didn't have us unpack anything, which was a relief. And then, um, not that we were carrying stuff just because it's a pain in the ass, but like, but so they, they, you know, they, they did all their thing, you know, this is like in front of the Italian border guards who are like standing 10 feet away, right? We drive the van literally 10 feet. We stop at the little white line or whatever. And the Italians do the exact same thing, except they go against dogs because they were, you know, whatever. They were convinced that the Swiss had missed something. I, I don't know, whatever. But I guess my point about that is that, like, and with the weed, too, like, everybody's got their own ideas about everything. And when you have a little bit of authority, like, people like to exercise it in weird ways. And I think you really see that as a traveling musician. Yeah. Um, like, and, and the, sorry, and, and, and sorry, I, I just want to tell one other story. That, that, um, we, were, we were flying back from the year trip and uh, we were flying in Dulles in DC and um, or outside of DC and we all had you know it's all our shit said black eyes on it right so it was easy for the folks at, at uh, wasn't I think it maybe it was the, the 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 customs officials to pick us out right so like they picked us all out assuming because we, we they assumed that because we were a traveling band that we would be carrying all kinds of shit right so I went through all our stuff and um, and I guess I'm telling that version, that part of the story, because it, it's 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 just universal. It felt universal to me. Wherever we were, we were running into that kind of shit. Yeah, same thing uh, crossing the Canadian border. Yeah, like we had to stop and completely clean our entire bus to make sure there weren't any particles of anything. <laughs> uh, and then we were crossing at four in the morning, and they pulled us all out of the bus, and like. Uh, checked all of our IDs, all of our passports, and, like, did, like, a facial recognition thing, (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, and then searched our bus, um, and it was just surprising, I guess, a little bit. I didn't realize that the Canadian border was quite like that. (laughs) I'd always heard people being like, oh, I forgot my license, and they were like, it's cool, just don't do it again. Now (laughs) it's, uh, not like that anymore. And they were all, like, cops. Yeah. Like, very stern individuals and and i think and not again not to put too fine a point on it but it it is a very different experience than when you sort of go in as a tourist as i'm sure you all know like as you're going in in as a tourist they're thinking about how to it's it's a it's a just a totally different interaction and like and i feel like you know there's also this level of like international commerce that you find yourself like sort of pulled into like you you guys like we hit our shirts when we crossed the canadian border like you because you don't want to pay the the tax on stuff right like you guys just shipped them, and and we did yeah. the same thing with with records going to Europe. Like we shipped them to Europe because we, you know, all tax stuff, right? And all of a sudden, you're taken out of this like blissful little existence as a tourist, and you're made part of the global economy, it, yeah. which is crazy for an independent cult touring band, right? Yeah, especially when you're having to do all of it yourself. Yeah, because there's so many. We got lucky on this tour because we had somebody that was able to do the the Canadian stuff for us because I have no idea like yeah I would have to like ship stuff over and then they did everything in their currency and then have to convert it and pay the taxes mm. on it and it's just 
we're about to have to do the same thing again, but this time I think I'm going to have to do it. And I'm really <laughs> worried about it because it just makes everything so much more complicated. Yeah. And, you know, at the same time, your Toronto fans and your Montreal fans are like, why don't you come here? It's like <laughs> an hour from Michigan. Like, <laughs> it's not the same for us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think, and, and for me at least, I mean, I don't mean to complain. Again, it is an incredible privilege to be able to do this. But it, it's just it's just such a different experience. I think it, it was it was it's just remarkable. I, and and I think it also you know for me at least because I am suspicious of authority <laughs> by nature. Like it makes me feel like you know you see a, perhaps a more pure side of of the politics of a place when you run into that kind of stuff. And I think you know um, it's just it's just it is it's a. And, you know, and, and it's, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm talking about it. I feel, you know, I'm, I feel super privileged that I don't have to deal with it every day because I know that happens to lots of people every day here in the, and, and, and elsewhere. Um, but, you know, it, it is sort of, a, it's a different, I guess I'm just trying to differentiate that experience between a, a tourism experience, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we have like 15 minutes left, right? 15 minutes left, something like that. Um, happy to take questions if you want uh we can tell you random tour stories if you want like what what would be useful for your time what, what would y'all like to know yeah That is an excellent question. Thank you so much for that opportunity. Um, so Stranger's Guide, I should say, I, I, Stranger's Guide was started about five years ago by, um, by Abby Rappaport and Kira Brunner-Don. Kira was at uh, Lapham's before that. So it gives you sort of a feel. If, if you know Lapham's, it's literary. It's, it's focused on sort of telling longer stories, which gives us as a travel publication uh, license to tell stuff that, you know, talk about stuff that people wouldn't normally talk about. So, um, uh, and I think that disrupting that sort of the traditional travel story means that like a lot like this experience that, you know, that I had traveling, that Lucio's had traveling uh, in, in bands, you get a deeper sort of feel for the place and you're not the, uh, the goal is to not be extractive, right? Like tourism is at its base, I think, in some ways extractive. And so Stranger's Guide is about combating that, I think, in a lot of ways. Uh, this, this is me. This is not the, the, the company line. I should, I should make that clear. But for me and what makes me so excited to work for the publication, it, we, we tell these stories in a way that works with community, right? Like all of our photographers and writers are of the place that they're telling stories about. Um, and I'll share one example um, from our Tehran guide, which is my, I think our my favorite work is our Tehran guide. It's uh, a lot of it is because I I would love to experience that place, but I don't think it's possible for for me to, uh, and 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 it's not possible, and 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 it's not possible for me to experience it the way that uh, you know Iranians do. And so there's this amazing story in that guide about um, the first soccer match, first international football match that women are going to be allowed to go to. Uh, by the Ministry of, I can't remember, Ministry of Justice, or I can't remember. Um, and the story is written from the perspective of a woman who's an, a huge soccer fan. Like, she's so excited. It's a World Cup qualifier, so it's like a big deal, right? And the story is both about Tehran, about traveling through Tehran on this insane day when everybody's focused on football, um, and also traveling through Tehran as the Ministry of whatever 
tries to make up its mind about whether they're actually going to let women into this thing. So it's telling a story about Tehran, the place. It's telling a, stor a story about Iran, the culture. And it's telling a story about this person's experience in all of that as a human. And that's what Stranger's Guide excels at, I think. Um, you know, I'll give, I'll give one more example before I shut up, because I could talk about this forever. But we did a, uh, a guide uh, to Ukraine uh, in December. And, and the idea there, we did that because of the war, um, of course. Uh, but we had, And we had not planned to do it. It was just a thing that we felt like was important to do. Um, and it allowed us to tell these like, like heart-wrenching stories. Yes, totally. Awful, some awful stuff, some incredibly all of it passionate, all of it amazing. There are two that stand out for me from that guide. One is the diary of a journalist who, um, who, who, who goes to the front lines um, and is conflicted, so entirely conflicted about what she's doing. Um, a lot of it resonated with me because I have a two-year-old son and, and, um, and she has a two-year-old son and, and her saying goodbye to that kid, just, oh God, it's crushing. But you're, you, know, to, you have to hear that story to understand Ukraine and to look at a place, more generally speaking, to look at a place without carrying these extractive sort of practices with you. And I think that that's super important. Anyway, I rambled. Thank you for that question. <laughs> Did that answer your question? Is there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm curious to, to look into the guides more. I got some. I, mean, I feel that yeah. um, maybe this is opening a question for both of you, if there's a question in this somewhere. But um, <clears throat> just tourism locks places in to, I yeah. guess, Yeah. The stuff that I have available to me is to understand is that, you know, it's just, it's going on a walk, really. Yeah. But, but, yeah, I'm just curious, like, I I feel like this is part of the reason the country is in the state that we are. We have these narratives that are reinforced by, like, this entire tourist industry. And to your earlier point, the ambassadors are a whole set of people that aren't even on any, Yeah. So it's it's sort of like, might we need to start telling different stories about the places we live. Um, and maybe it's about tapping, you know, what you all sense as musicians coming to, you know, the way that like, can be part of the story of the place. So I'm not sure there's a question. No, but, but, but I think that's a great point. I think that's, and I'll, again, I'll use this, this guy, this, this opportunity to like pump strangers. Guy. Like that's what we try to do. Like, and, um, and before I forget, I have little, promotional things if you guys are interested in checking out Stranger's Guide that I, I'm happy to hand out. But, um, but, and before I turn it over to you, Lucio, because I think you, you've experienced this, I think, more directly than I did. I just like, existed in this ridiculous bubble. But like, I, think, I, think, I think it is essential to, to know a place. You have to know the people who experience it every day. And, and you know, like I, I love a Lonely Planet Guide, right? But that's not what you're getting. Yeah, I mean, I think... I wouldn't even say that I have, like, it's weird. You only get enough of an insight to know that there is an insight. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't I don't know these places. I was there for a few hours. But, like, just the feeling of it just being different than what you expect, even if you know what the city's about or what it's supposed to be about, what other people say it's about, what yeah. even they say, like, people living there say it's about. Sometimes, some people. Um, I, and that, that is a very interesting perspective to take. I don't know. I think, I think a lot of times people use, like, because there are a lot of uh, reasons why the Internet and certain algorithms, which is a very popular word, uh, <laughs> uh, perpetuate 
these narratives and put people into bubbles. Um, I think on the flip side of that, it also is like a very great tool. It has been in my experience. If mm -hmm. you get past that like initial uh, tunnel to like really connect people on a more uh, on a more personal level across the world and across the country in the way that like people originally hoped the internet would do. I think that still exists mm -hmm. in a very strong way. It just takes filtering through and finding micro cultures and having, it's weird. It's like having your own strong sense of identity to be able to recognize when something is problematic, mm -hmm. but also being open to connecting with people. It, this this just reminds me, this is a little bit of a tangent. It kind of <laughs> reminds me of like growing up, all of our parents told us like, don't talk to people online um, <laughs> because you can't trust them. You don't know them. Some of the people that I've met online are my best friends mm. and I completely trust them. And it seems like my parents' generation is the one that fell into the whole like <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying there is a part of the internet that has completely fallen into that 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 like why are you trusting these people that you don't know that are like feeding you these things but there is that like undercurrent of authenticity I think that exists that I think if if we can somehow like tap into that i think that is a powerful tool as well but i think and i think that that applies to it's interesting because it's also it's not internet only right like like my experience with you know in trusting like like you know the punk community like that 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 community made it possible for me to travel made it possible for me to make music made it possible for me to almost make a living almost as a, as a musician right like like that that community i think is uh, the internet is an echo of that i think it's just you know human community right yeah but but also like and and to the, the strangers guy point like being able to to surface those identities and surface those stories like that it's just there's so much going on and what i think that i mean this is an obvious point but like with the internet the problem with the internet of course is there's too much like there's too it's it's like it you can't you can't focus right in so many ways and i think that like these cultures that the, the these cultures that allow you to focus like the i mean you guys are like you guys are building culture around not just your music but all around all of the stuff you're talking about all of the stuff you're rapping about and i think that that's like that's a really powerful thing and i think that that's you know i guess maybe that's the positive spin on it. i don't know is that fair yeah i think to a certain extent yeah um but i do think i do still think with with all the internet stuff i think it's kind of a a thing that you have to learn it's a skill but also yeah. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, meeting people in person yeah. is like, there isn't really a, it's a different thing. Yeah. And I think that that is, that's part of the, what touring kind of taught me as well. Yeah. It's like, you don't know until you know. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else, y'all? Yeah. Um, um, I see it. I see that. You said traveling, and you trip. And then I tour person. I do other things, acting in business, other business. I'm sorry. Businesses, not tour, I'm a tour person. I'm like a tour person. Yeah. Uh -huh. oh, I'm sorry, yes, you travel on business, yeah. Sorry, I, I, I don't hear well. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm just other, I need to know understanding about trips, traveling. 
Yeah, and I imagine that other industries that travel and other businesses that travel have their own versions yeah, of as those stories. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, and, and that's that's that is a fair point, right? Like maybe, maybe you know, the two of us are, are focused very sort of on a, a thing that I'm sure everybody has. Their, I mean, there are movies about that shit, right? Yeah, exactly. I live in Austin. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, please. So what's interesting is uh, we also grew up in Tulsa, but raised our kids in Austin, and then my son, who's a musician, is in Tulsa, trying to figure out life. But um, I guess for new artists that are coming out, is it? Do you think there's been a shift in that? I feel like not having been a musician, we come from a family of engineers. Um, you would go on the road to meet people and to get a following, but now, is it what you think is? Yeah, I think definitely you there are advantages to taking part in your local community and I know that Tulsa has like pretty decent arts and it's like developed a lot in the last decade or so. So like I think there's always advantages to that especially with like government grants and like being involved in those types of things because there's always people looking to help the arts in person and that's always something that I lacked uh so it took me a little bit longer but it's mostly due to like my your strengths right I was already in a place uh, that's the things that I like to do but yeah for the most part nowadays you have direct access to fans and one thing that we talked about is like when when you're like the type of musician that we are you're not necessarily trying to create music to appeal to a certain audience you recognize that your audience exists and you're trying to reach them so i think i think and it's getting harder to do it the other way because especially with like labels and stuff even even if you're trying to get signed to a label or something like that nowadays it's not worth it for them to spend money on a and r yeah. when they can like find musicians that have everything already set and all they have to do is fund them and make money off of them. So I think the best way is to like, to me, there's like the two ways and I don't mean to go on too long. No, no, this is great. There's like the, the, the direct connection with people that like your music and growing from there and then hoping that eventually like, critics notice or management or other people notice which is kind of what we did um or there's like the more traditional way of trying to make connections with like mm -hmm. people that book shows trying to make connections with a uh, and r people trying to make connections with tastemakers and uh writers and then hoping that through that you can reach fans that connect with you and I think that though both can be successful it's become a lot harder to like do that at a local level when like I can make a TikTok video tomorrow <laughs> that blows up and makes my music 
heard by like a million people and out of those a million people maybe like a thousand stick around and then you know it's just a lot of it is luck being in the right place at the right time and like finding new forms of culture as they're beginning i think that last part is so crucial because you know and that that's just like taste making right but like but like being ahead of everything and we were talking a little bit about this by that because by the time because there's so many people with so many like so many ideas about how to fix it right or, or, or to make it so that you'll succeed right like in consultants whatever um but by the time it's already we were just talking about this by the time it's you know being discussed it's already too late yeah. so trying to find that next thing is the important thing but making i mean for your son literally just making the thing that he wants to make and like getting yeah, better word, at it word and really putting effort into creating community i think regardless of if it's in person or online community is like the only way to really like expand you can't just do it by yourself There's, and, that just doesn't exist and i should double down on that we you know the success that we found was all because of community and all because of people that were prepared to you know enjoy what we you know had put out there and we put out there you know stuff that we wanted to put out there that was it was i think we were uncompromising in that and that 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 worked and I think that's a thing where, like, he has this huge, because they make music together. And, um, but he really just got up. I remember his initial thing was, I need to make sure I really love it before I release it. Yeah. And then it went to, like, I'm just going to drop 16 songs today. Because I'm just going to put it out there and see what sticks. So, thank you. Of course. I think we're at time, y'all. Thank you so much for coming. Like I said, I have some pretty nifty Stranger's Guide swag if you want to check it out. Um, and we're here for a minute.